Just because you're getting older doesn't mean you have to stop being active. Frequent trips to the bathroom are a thing of the past with Priso Branda Puntamol, the miracle development from Israel's cactus flower. If you are a man suffering from prostate or urinary problems, or a woman suffering from incontinence or cystitis, Priso can help with its natural remedy made from their puncha flower. Don't just suffer, get Priso. It really helps. For more information, visit Priso.com. That's P-R-I-S-S-O.com. And welcome to all of you who love God, Torah, and Israel. This is Noahide Nations on Israel National Radio. I'm Jim Long, and on the other microphone, Ray Patterson. Hi, Ray. Hello, Jim. How you doing today? Just great. In fact, better than I have been recently. Got over a little bout of uh, of the flu, which I think is going around, but I think I'm I'm doing okay. I sound probably sound worse than I actually feel, and uh, so I, I think we'll we'll be okay. Um, we have a special actually, guest. Actually, actually, you sound pretty good from here. Oh, okay, great. Uh, we, we have a special guest coming up in just a moment. He's Rabbi Sander Goldberg, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, who and, and what uh, the rabbi does. A very interesting person, as you will soon see. But, uh, Ray, I thought we'd get some, uh, some housekeeping out of the way, first of all. Uh, for again, for those folks who may have just joined uh, the show for the first time, uh, and uh, are kind of curious about what a Noahide is. It's, it's not a kind of, of vinyl or a kind of upholstery. Uh, we've heard that joke before. Um, <laughs> but it is, um, in fact, we're going to explore that a little further today on our show, what exactly constitutes a, a Noahide. But first, we want to mention that uh, what we are are non-Jews who believe in uh, the God of Israel, and we believe in his Torah, and we believe that the the people of Israel, Am Yisrael, the Jewish people, are his chosen people, his priesthood, and we look to them to teach us about his Torah. Ray, did I miss anything, or what do you think? Well, uh, the only thing that I believe needs to be done is the mention of the actual seven Noahide laws, which Great. Hashem gave us uh, many, many thousands of years ago. So I'd like to go ahead and review those real quickly. And by the way, welcome to all the listeners out there. And we hope that you're feeling well, too. Uh, but let's start off with the big, big main uh, one of the seven laws, and that is not to commit idolatry. Also, Hashem tells us not to commit murder, not to commit theft, not to commit blasphemy against him, not to commit any type of sexual transgressions, uh, do not eat the limb of a living animal, and also to set up courts of justice for the purpose of seeking justice. And those are the seven categories of the seven laws. And, of course, very similar to the Ten Commandments, these are uh, categories. And these categories break down to many, many other subcategories. And in the case of the seven Noahide laws, that would be some argue 66, others argue 70. But ultimately, they evolve into literally thousands of, of uh, commandments. So there you have it, folks. Uh, the seven Noahide laws, that's who we are. That's what we believe in. 
Right. You know, what often happens to uh, folks like you and I and a lot of our listeners who, who are longtime Noahides, especially uh, we just got through the holidays, and we often find ourselves uh, at, at uh, social gatherings or in public, and uh, generally what, what uh, happens is uh, we tend to reveal to people that we are not, uh, well, I personally, I, you know, they find out I'm not a Christian, and uh, so they say, well, what are you? What, what religion are you? And uh, I know, Ray, you've thought about this uh, often. It's like, wait a minute, what, uh, what really constitutes religion? And, and is being a Noahide and following these uh, Sheva Mitzvot, these seven laws, as they're called in Hebrew, does it constitute a religion? And uh, to help us answer that question, uh, we have a special guest today, Ray. Uh, of course, he's Rabbi Sander Goldberg. And uh, he, of course, I believe is an, uh, an expert in these matters, and I, I hope that today's show will reveal that. You have a connection with today's guest, don't you, Ray? Absolutely. In fact, uh, uh, it's a great honor for us to have uh, Rabbi Goldberg here with us today. And uh, the connection that I have, number one, is he spoke at our World Conference, as you're well aware of, Jim, back in uh, June uh, down in Fort Lauderdale. But Rabbi Goldberg is also one of the five rabbis who is on the Noahide Nation's Rabbinical Advisory Board. So it's a, a, a great pleasure to have him as part of that as well. His, his knowledge and wisdom are, in my estimation, by comparison to myself, infinite. So it's, it's good to have him as part of the show today. Rabbi, are you, are you with us? Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, um, Ray and uh, Jim. Good to be with you today. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Do you mind if we, uh, we're going to, as we say in Texas, we're going to ask you to, to brag about yourself a little bit. I know that you don't like to do that, but uh, I know you from being a, 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 an exciting novelist. Written, you've written several novels. Uh, that, I think, is something you do for fun. But could you give us a little bit about your background? I know you're, you're a judge. Uh, you've written several uh, rabbinical commentaries on Torah. Could you j- give us a quick overview of your, of your credentials for the listeners? Well, I studied in Kolel, which is uh, like postgraduate studies of, uh, uh, in yeshiva in rabbinical school for uh, about 15 years. And uh, I do have a rabbinical ordination, high-level rabbinical ordination, uh, which qualifies one to uh, be a judge and to decide on matters of Jewish divorce. And uh, also I've uh, made it my business to learn uh, many of the other skills of Judaism, practical skills, practical halacha, and, uh, and um, I like to uh, continue my studies and interest in, in Jewish law, and of course uh, Jewish law involves, Torah law involves our relationship not only with uh, God and with other Jews, but also with uh, Gentiles. And, of course, the seven mitzvahs of Noah, as you have mentioned, is the ideal uh, lifestyle that a Gentile should adopt. And um, I'm, I'm very honored that to be speaking with you because I know both of you and, and are very upstanding and, uh, and very honest, intellectually honest people who have come to that uh, belief from having been raised in, in a different religion. Rabbi, the uh, the thing that we want to tackle, first of all, and one of the reasons that we ask you on, 
you know, is this idea of of uh, whether the Noahide movement is actually a religion or not. And I think it would be kind of instructive, first of all. Is is there such a concept as a religion in the Torah? Uh, you know, it's a matter of semantics. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, if you have a... It, the question you must pose to me, and I'd rather answer, is if you were to... <laughs> Uh, give, let's say, a uh, dictionary definition of religion, from there we'll work to see whether or not the Torah uh, subscribes to that concept. Sure, yeah. Ray, I know you, you kind of did a, a quick uh, search. Do you remember? I mean, I know most of us know what a religion is, but is there a standard uh, sort of thumbnail dictionary description that uh, what, what what is religion uh, sort of by... Uh, description of Noah Webster or Merriam-Webster, Miriam, one of their desk references? Well, uh, I actually did quite a number of them, and I'm not going to go through them all. And uh, by definition, the definition actually changes depending on, on who's uh, doing the writing of the definition and the time frame in which they are writing it. Uh, so current day may sound a little bit different, but I'll tell you one that I, I found that was, for me, th this hit the nail on the head. And it was actually out of Webster's uh, Dictionary from the year 1828, and I'll just go ahead and read it real quickly. It's religion, in its most comprehensive sense, includes a belief in the being and perfections of God in the revelation of his will to man, in man's obligation to obey his commands, in a state of reward and punishment, and in man's accountability to God, and also true godliness or piety of life, with the practice of all moral duties. It therefore comprehends theology as a system of doctrines or principles as well as practical piety. For the practice of moral duties without a belief in a divine lawgiver and without reference to his will or commands, this is not religion. Wow. You know, I, I would have to say, Ray, that after hearing that, if you looked in a modern dictionary, I would dare say that you would not find anything that, that came close to that explanation. I think what people would find probably in, in today's reference uh, books uh, regarding religion probably approximates m more uh, the, the, the root of, of the word, and I believe that the root of the word religion actually comes from Hebrew, because that's, I happen to believe all words, if I can invoke the, uh, the image of, of linguist Isaac Moses, and I believe all words do come uh, at some point from uh, Hebrew, and, you know, the Hebrew word ragil uh, can, can mean um, something that is done over and over by rote, sort of in cycles. It becomes, it's, re, it's repetitive. And, of course, we, we get a word uh, uh, regular from that word. And if you switch the last consonants around, you get a word very much like the word uh, you go from regular to religion. I, I don't know if anybody can visualize that or not. And I think, in a way, that's the sort of negative aspect that people think of when they think of religion, something that's done by rote, something that's repeated, something that's nothing but it's, it's empty rit ritual. You know, having heard all of that, Rabbi Goldberg, uh, is there a Torah concept that approximates that? Well, sure. I mean, uh, the the explanation, um, the that dictionary entry that Ralph, that uh, Ray um, uh, expressed, 
I would say is more of an encyclopedia type of entry than a than a, a dictionary type of entry. And basically everything in there is is correct about uh, Torah Judaism and so forth um, in terms of, of that religion and, and the other religions in the world that we've seen. Now, in, in Judaism, basically... Um, it follows from the beginning of the world when the when the world was created. So uh, there, there is a it boils down to um, observing the will of God. Now, obviously, to observe the will of God, you 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 have to believe in God. So the first principle is to know and to understand that God exists and that all existence is from God. And uh, he did not create the world just as a uh, game, a spin of a top, to let it go and see what would happen with it, 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 it has rules, and, uh, and it has an objective. And it has a beginning, and it has a, a middle, meaning the uh, activities of mankind, in order to bring it to a desired objective of God. And, that's, and that is a, uh, uh, achieved by fulfilling the Word of God. So... Uh, that is basically, if you want to call that religion, then that's religion. I'm not talking about an illegal term. A legal term of religion is something that's very germane. Of course, it's germane to uh, being considered a nonprofit corporation. Um, and that, that is a different issue. Uh, as far as that issue goes, I would say that the Noahide nations is most certainly a religion. Um, and it can qualify under uh, the... 503C uh, corporation uh, regulations of being a religion. There's no question about that whatsoever, because it is a movement which is uh, dedicated to prayer and, and study of uh, God and uh, God's will and uh, and, so, and and socializing and associating for that particular purpose. So, Rabbi, so can I can I interject yeah. here? So so in in, in one respect. Uh, we, we uh, the Noahide movement and and any group of Noahides that decides to do any kind of business and that business or that organization is impacted because they have to interact with the government or a government body uh, for all intents and purposes in that respect uh, being a Noahide or a group of Noahides who are who are doing uh, coming together as an organization that comes under the purview of the government, it meets the legal uh, description of a religion or a religious organization. Is that correct? Uh, there's no doubt about it. Because yeah. what, the seven principles, the seven laws of Noah, call them seven principles, whatever you want to call them, two of them directly relate to God. They're, yeah. they're not I, laws that would be that are apropos for a secular government to enforce. So I guess what I'm getting, you know, what I'm getting, yeah, what I'm getting at is, is whether, whether a person has any, any particular uh, preference, whether they, someone says, well, no, I'm not, I'm not a religion. I'm a Noahide or I'm not in a religion. Uh, As far as the government's concerned, you are in a religion, right? From the government standpoint. No, I didn't say that. You Ah. You would have to express it to the government. If you incorporated your group, yeah. you know, as a as a uh, as a synagogue, as a church, as a mm-hmm. uh, uh, a religious group, then I think it would definitely qualify as a religion in that yeah. sense. Well, we're not, there are not individuals among the Noahides who <laughs> want to contend we're not a religion for you know for whatever reason they want to contend. That's their business. If they exactly. don't want to be a religion and they don't want to take advantage of, yeah. of tax uh, exemptions that they could possibly get by buying uh, property and uh, 
uh, either real or, or 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 a personal property that's used in in their um, organization. Uh, that's their business. Yeah, I, th- I think what I'm trying to say, not to not to do, put too fine a point on it, basically is if you if if an organization such uh, is an Ohio organization and they and they have to do business, so to speak, with the government, they're, they're, they will fall under the purview of being a religious organization because because as a group they are involved in the worship of the Creator. Right. In other right. words, they 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 could if they if they if that's how they. Uh, uh, pose themselves to the government, then it's legitimate. Mm-hmm. That's that's all I'm saying. Yeah. No one is required. You can be uh, of any religion you want, and if you don't want to be a religion, you want to be a profit-making corporation, as far as the government's concerned, they don't care. The government is not going to tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. They're not going to force you to... Uh, they're not going to give you back your money if you pay taxes on something that you could have gotten tax-exempt. But I'm saying you have to tell the government... You know, we want to be considered a religion. This is what we believe in. This is what we do. This is the purpose of our organization. This is the abstract of our organization. It would pass as a religion, absolutely. Good, but, well, but, I'd, I'd, I'd like to uh, yeah. mention, because uh, I, of course, as the founder of Noahide Nations, went through this whole uh, 501c3 application and process with our federal government here in the U.S., and it is very interesting, and Rabbi Goldberg touched on this, and I don't know if many people caught it or not, but when he mentioned that synagogue is church, church is actually a category that the IRS, the Internal Revenue Service here, uses to identify religious groups who have spiritual worship, spiritual beliefs. And so whether you are a, a, a Christian entity, a Jewish entity, a Noahide entity, Islamic entity, we are all in, lumped into this category of church. And it's kind of a, an unfortunate situation, but at the same time, in terms of the government minimizing the amount of work that it does and, you know, the paper trail, uh, this is a, quite frankly, it's a, an intelligent way of, of doing it. So it, it's interesting that you hit on that because I've encountered this kind of difficulty before with being misrepresented as uh, something that we are not. It's just something that the government uses to categorize groups. But I, I would like to throw out there for everybody that, quite frankly, being a Noahide, uh, uh, being a Jew, is not a religion. The word religion is a man-made word. In fact, Judaism and being a Noahide are ways of life. This is the way that our Creator has shown us to how to have a relationship with Him, at the same time how to have a harmonious and peaceful relationship with our fellow man. So in those terms, in essence, it is a way of life, and all we need to do now is get everybody on the same page, and we'll be looking at some uh, world peace breaking out here any moment. Yeah, and it's well, see, it's, that, it's a, that goes yeah. into the semantics of what I was saying. Right, exactly, right. You're exactly correct, and it depends on what you're referring to as a religion. Now, there were philosophers who lived at the end of the 18th century, even some Jewish ones as well, and who were well-meaning, who wanted to parse out of the concept of a way of life the the concept of religion because they wanted to divide up that there are certain moral laws and certain ethical laws. The moral laws are between man and God, the ethical laws are between man and man, and that the ethical laws should be uh, legislated and enforced by governments. Religious laws should be, and moral laws, 
should be the individual's uh, choice and his way of life that he wants to um, uh, relate to God. So um, it, with those particular philosophers, they parsed out the idea of religion from way of life. And as you said, Ray, is, you're perfectly correct, Judaism, Noahidism, is a, is a comprehensive way of life, which involves how we relate to man and how we relate to God. And uh, uh, so you want to say it's not a religion because it's a way of life? You know, the religious aspect is incorporated in, in, in the way of life. Whereas with the Reform Judaism in particular, it is a... Let that, that would be your, your classic case of uh, textbook definition of a religion, because uh, they themselves want to separate the um, way of life, the general way of life, from uh, the hour a week or the hour uh, a year that they spend in the temple. Uh, Rabbi, they relate to God. Yeah. Wouldn't, you, wouldn't you say that, uh, that Judaism... And in, in, in a perfect world, when we uh, hope to achieve that, uh, may it come soon, or a near-perfect world, uh, that, that what we're all trying to achieve, because we, we look to the Torah and, and Torah concepts as the model, uh, and, and I need a, a kind of a quick response from you, then we'll have to take a break. Uh, in fact, what I'd like to do is I'd, I, I want to pose this question to you, and and then I'd I'd like to uh, I'd like you to get your response on the other side of the break because we're coming up against the break in a moment. But what I wanted to ask was uh, in in the world of when when Israel uh, comes under a a Torah form of government uh, as it was once in the days of. Uh, of Shlomo Hamelik of King Solomon, and uh, in, in in the days to come, uh, the, the true government of Israel will be in Israel, uh, where there is no, for for want of a better way, there is no separation of church and state. And uh, can you see it being that way uh, when we come to that day when we have literally Noahide nations, where there are nations who who uh, recognize the Sheva vote. They recognize the need to keep them, and they recognize the authority of the Torah, that they will also be nations that do not separate, quote, church and state. And I want you to think about that, and I would like a response to that as we come up on the other side of the break. And uh, you're, you're listening, by the way, to uh, Noahide Nations, a discussion with myself, uh, Ray Patterson, Rabbi Sander Goldberg, who is, uh, we, we believe, an expert in this matter, and we hope that we, uh, he demonstrates that as, as the show continues. But we've got to take a break, and we'll look at that and some other interesting questions about whether Noahides actually are in a religion right here on Noahide Nations on IsraelNationalRadio.com. Passover approaching, Tour Plus is offering the English-speaking public a fantastic experience in Israel's leading hotels. Tour Plus has an excellent reputation. We pay special attention to kashrut standards, providing glat mahadrin kosher food and shmur matzah in each hotel. 
visit us online at www.tourplus.co.il and click on the English button at the top. That's www.tourplus.co.il. Tour Plus for the complete vacation. Aleph Shin, the number one best-selling Jewish techno-thriller novel, was unique for the Jewish market in excitement, imagination, and inspiration. Now, Ten Lost, the prequel to Aleph Shin, is author Sender Zev's latest literary masterpiece. It reveals the mind-boggling background of the awesome tale of Aleph Shin, available at Jewish bookstores throughout the United States, England, and Israel. See the ad on Israel National Radio, or check out the website at www.tmspublishing.com. Welcome back to Noahide Nations. You're listening to us on Israel National Radio. I'm Jim Long, your co-host, along with Ray Patterson. Hi, Ray. Hey, Jim. Glad to be back again. This is quite an exciting little interview here. I'm enjoying the heck out of this. We're talking to Rabbi Sander Goldberg, and we're talking to the rabbi about whether being an Ohide means being part of religion. And just before the break, I talked about the uh, idea and the concept that in the future, may it come speedily, that uh, when when uh, Eretz Israel, the nation of Israel in the land of Israel, and Am Yisrael are under a, uh, a Torah form of government that... Uh, if we look at it from a, a, a completely legal aspect, uh, a Torah government would be a government where there would be no separation of church and state, as would be other nations who are Noahide nations who will embrace the seven laws sometime in the future, incorporate them, and incorporate a, a belief that the Torah is the authority uh, that came from Hashem at Mount Sinai. Uh, that's a very long-winded way of saying, Rabbi, would you agree that the, that a Torah government is a government where there will be no separation of, of quote, church and state? Well, of course. Sure. You know, your, your question is very long. My answer is very short. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, the reason I say no, that the is... Torah, yeah. The Torah incorporates all the laws that are necessary in order to run a civil and a just society. And immoral society. Well, I think the reason I brought that up is because I think that's a distinction that really is lost on on uh, a lot of people today is the fact that uh, when they read the Torah, they especially non-Jews and, and maybe even some Jews who who are not observant Jews, they tend to they tend to spiritualize almost all the laws, and they don't seem to realize that by following what they think are some very mundane uh, mitzvot for Jews are actually laws that not only will help them get along with their fellow man and, and that they will help them solve disputes between them, but even but even doing that will elevate their lives on a spiritual plane. And I think that's I think that's lost on, on people that these laws in the Torah, the six hundred and thirteen are written for the people of Israel uh, really to be performed in their land uh, with a Sanhedrin. And as I said, may it come speedily. So I, I just I, I think that's a distinction that is really often lost on people. But what uh, uh, 
uh, what we wanted to move on to was uh, the next question. I mean, the first thing is, do we feel like that we've covered uh, what the uh, Torah says about the concept of what a religion is? Uh, do, do you think we've covered uh, well, that? I would just add. I would just add that um, the thought that I started and perhaps I didn't complete it at the beginning of the first section of this program, and that is that ideally, you know, God wanted mankind to follow his uh, will as it was expressed for its particular time. It was expressed to Adam originally with just one mitzvah, one commandment, as we are all familiar, which had two parts, to eat, not to eat from the, uh, the, uh, the tree of knowledge, and yes, to eat from the, the tree of life, to, to eat from the other trees of the garden until he would uh, eat you know, and elevate himself till he came to the tree of life. So he had one mitzvah. That for him would have been the uh, equivalent of keeping the entire Torah. That would have been, there was no society for him to have to have a mitzvah not to murder or not to steal or or things like that. There was no society there, there uh, in order to, he didn't have to relate too much with, with other people at, the, at, at that point to have uh, a lot of these kind of mitzvahs. But after he failed, then the world changed. The world went into a different uh, direction of, uh, of, of, of an increased population, of a society, and of how that's, uh, the individual ma- and members of the society had to relate to each other. And, and so, therefore, it necessitated a broader spectrum of laws. And those were the six laws that were given to Adam. And then the seventh one was added um, after Noah emerged from the ark, after the flood. And uh, that remained in force until... Uh, the, uh, the forefathers um, started to understand concepts of Torah on their own, and then finally the Torah was given on Mount Sinai, and the seven mitzvahs were also reiterated with a with a new uh, power of command from Mount Sinai, and that started the the world as as we have it today, um, and so it became necessary for there to be a much broader range of laws because of the circumstances that evolved in the uh, activities of mankind on the face of the earth. So basically, there were, there were, if you want to say Judaism was the religion, was the will of God, uh, the seven laws of Noah was a subset which was designed for um, all those who were not from the family of the Hebrew people, they were all Gentiles, who didn't want to join. They were allowed to join by conversion. And if they didn't want to join uh, to be restricted, to, to take on those restrictions, that was fine, as long as they would keep those seven. But um, but they weren't um, really joining, they weren't, the thing is, again, they weren't joining a religion. Yeah. They were joining a nation which happened to be religious. That's correct. Yeah. That, that, that's true. But... So there were basically two, let's say, religions of the world. There was the correct religion, which was the will of God, the Torah, which incorporated the 613 for Jews and the seven for the Gentiles. And then there was idol worship. That was the alternative. Now, if you're going to talk about, well, there was this idol worship and that idol worship, they're all categorized, they're all in the same boat, so to speak. There's two religions. There's Torah which is correct, with the will of God. And then there's idol worship, which is a general category of, uh, of, of, of improper uh, religion, improper worship. So that's, that's how we could categorize. That's, in other words, Jews who are knowledgeable of the Torah, that's still how they categorize it. You know, there's just, either you keep the Torah, which includes 
what the will of God has commanded for Jews and for Gentiles, or you're an idol worshiper, you know, pagan, heathen, an idol worshiper, somebody who has the uh, the wrong ideas, or you might be somebody who's an atheist. Well, that's that that would that's not a religion. That's that's the lack of of total lack of religion, which is just as bad. Well, that's uh, interesting that you bring that up uh, using uh, idolatry as the example. I, I know that uh, when I'm around uh, people who are not familiar with the Noahide laws uh, and not really familiar with God and in, in, in the way of Hashem, uh, oftentimes they will they will ask a lot of questions. Of course, uh, with one of the main ones being, why did God give commandments? And so I always use the example of, of idolatry. Don't commit idolatry. And, you know, why, why would he give us that? Well, quite frankly, it's in my humble opinion, and Rabbi, correct me if I'm wrong, it's because Hashem knew we would. He, 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 and certainly as of today, we look at, uh, you know, really this, this idea of not creating a new religion has gone completely awry because we have literally uh, over 10,000 acknowledged religions in the world today. So in, in a, you know, short answer, straightforward answer, why did he tell us not to commit idolatry is because he knew that we would. And he knew that the only way for us to have a, a just society was the, the Corporation of uh, uh, society and religion working together as as a whole, and uh, in, in fact, uh, I know that the Rambam tells us uh, uh, the Gentiles are not allowed to start a new religion, and of course, Rambam is uh, 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 Maimonides, uh, mostly Maimonides, a very well well known uh, sage. And one thing I would like to ask that kind of coincides with this, Rabbi, is in terms of Noahides, uh, what sort of Torah observances or, uh, or, or rituals, if you will, are Noahides allowed to practice? What can we do? Okay, in theory, Noahides don't have to practice any of the rituals of the Torah. They are not required to eat matzah on Passover and to sit in a sukkah and take the four uh, species of, uh, of plants, um, which we do on sukkahs, or to hear a shofar being blown or read the Torah or anything like that. They're just not required to do that. In other words, the Jews are, um, are sort of like the priests. Uh, for all of the nations on earth. They're a priestly nation, and they uh, minister to God um, on behalf of themselves and on behalf of the rest of the world as well. And um, if a, uh, a Gentile wants to join the Jews by conversion, um, there is a path towards that direction. If he wants to remain a Noahide, but um, he is a spiritual personality and he would like to do some things, he's allowed to do them. The only two that uh, that are specifically mentioned as being prohibited um, are um, the in-depth study of the Torah, and that only refers to the uh, the halacha uh, uh, that is germane only to Jews of the 613 commandments. He is allowed to study in as in much depth as he wants, although he's not required to do so. Uh, the, uh, the seven mitzvahs of, of Noah and uh, keeping Shabbos. Um, which, um, for uh, uh, particular reasons that the uh, Talmud uh, redacts, uh, that a, um, a Gentile is not supposed to keep the Shabbos. But if he wants to keep other mitzvahs on a voluntary basis, 
then he uh, deserve, he is entitled to divine reward, but he gets the reward, which is a lower level of reward for somebody who's not commanded to keep that, who's, who's doing it on a voluntary basis. According to our understanding, one who's commanded gets a higher reward uh, for keeping the mitzvah than uh, one who's not commanded. Rabbi so, Goldberg, uh, yeah. I wanted to interject that for those who may have just joined uh, the broadcast. Uh, we're talking to Rabbi Sander Goldberg. Uh, he, of course, is talking about uh, the uh, the aspect of whether being a Noahide is is part of uh, a religion, and you know I, I I like that you're outlining these particular things because uh, people often ask me you know what uh, what do you have to do as a Noahide, and I say you don't have to do anything. There are things you're not supposed to do, and I know Noahides who simply recognize and embrace that this is the way that we should live. And as you have pointed out to us and, and other fine rabbis, if you simply keep the Sheva Mitzvot, the seven laws, because you think they're a good idea, then you are not really, uh, you are not observing the seven laws in the way that, that the Creator mandates. Is that right? Well, uh, according to Maimonides, if you look very, very carefully at, his, uh, at how he phrases it, it's not exactly like that. He just says that somebody who um, keeps the seven laws because um, of uh, ration, for rational reasons and not because God commanded them is not among the wise. He, that's how he uh-huh. uh, how he phrases it. He says the person is not wise, and I myself have my own interpretation of that. I won't claim this is the interpretation, but I think it's a very reasonable interpretation. I think what Maimonides is driving at is like this. A wise person is a person who um, does an activity to, in order to uh, achieve a particular goal and to reap a particular benefit from achieving that goal. So here we have a person who, uh, on his own, uh, decided, I'm going to make up my own um, Morays of life, and they involve, uh, they coincide with all of the seven misses today, Noah, for his own reasons. So he's not a wise person because all he has to do is understand and accept that God commanded these things and, and say to himself, you know what? But not only are they rational, but I'm going to keep them because it's the will of God to keep them, and then he would receive reward for it. Mm-hmm. So he, 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 doesn't, he's not, he doesn't get punished for keeping the seven mitzvahs without, uh, without recognizing that they're from God, but he is not a wise person, because well, at the same, at the, for the same nickel, he can receive his reward if he only believes that they're from God. Yeah, you know, it reminds me of uh, a Psalms or Proverbs where it says, uh, only the fool says in his heart there is no God. So the, it is a, it's a foolish thing not to believe there is a creator. And, and so it's like, it's like, well, you've been a good person. You followed the laws, but you would have been far better off spiritually, and there would have been so much more reward for you, so to speak, if you had acknowledged that. Is, is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly right. So that's how the, the Rambam uh, phrases it. But you words, know, the thing... Like, you know, if thing, a person is a good person, yeah. you can't take it away from him. The Talmud teaches us that God rewards every single creation for the good that it does. He, he does not, he does not uh, take away the reward 
uh, for what a person is entitled to. Even if a person, you, if you have a bad person who's generally doing very bad things, but once in a while he does some good things, he'll be rewarded for those good things. They won't right. You know, that's, that's very, uh, it's an amazing concept because I, I, uh, it wasn't until I got into Judaism that I understood that concept that even, even people who are evil are rewarded not because they, well, it's because Hashem is so fair. And when you do good, good comes back to you. I think there's, a, isn't there a, a midrash that uh, Nebuchadnezzar? You know, here we have the slayer yeah. who destroyed the temple. The reason he was elevated to kingship was because I think when he was a, a an officer in the the Assyrian court, uh, wouldn't he show respect to the ministers who would the counselors who would uh, come from uh, from Israel? Uh, are you familiar with that midrash? No, I'm not familiar with that, but it is it is cited that, uh, you know, he, he made a statement where he respected God, and because of that one statement, he was entitled to a great reward. Of course, he also gets a great punishment for all the evil that he did. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, no, God is completely fair. It's exactly as you said. Yeah. You know, it's not yeah. like in some other religions where you're, you're, no matter how good you are, you are condemned to eternal damnation because you didn't believe in this or believe in that. No, we, we, that's hogwash. We well, the thing, the thing that I wanted to point out is that what you're touching on, and I want to make this clear as we listen. By the way, you're listening to No Hide Nations on Israel National Radio. We're talking, Ray Patterson and I are talking with uh, Rabbi Sander Goldberg about whether being a Noahide is, is part of a religion. Um, th- there's a very interesting thing that happens that's going on today. I think everybody listening to this show that is a Noahide uh, falls into that other category that we talked about. Certainly, I think they would. Uh, I think, and I think they need to understand that uh, that, that you know most of us are fall into the the category of those who really have a heart. Uh, most Noahides I know really are seeking uh, seeking to the Creator and to know the the creator and to know what he wants for our lives so that's a curious aspect about the noahide movement today wouldn't you say so ray uh absolutely uh it it's uh, first of all I'd, I'd like to say that without people without uh knowledgeable wise men like uh, rabbi goldberg uh we as gentiles can't get as couldn't have gotten as far as we are today and won't get as far as we're going to be without them uh, and, 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 I'd, and I'd also like to kind of drift back to something we drifted away from, Jim, uh, if, if that's okay, just, just to kind of eliminate any potential confusion and uh, a statement that uh, the rabbi had made uh, regarding Noahides and Shabbos. Uh, yes, we're not supposed to keep Shabbos in the way that a Jew keeps Shabbos, but that does not mean that we cannot gather on Shabbos to fellowship, to uh, study Torah, uh, to just to, to just assemble. Um, in fact, uh, and you're probably familiar with this too, Jim. I, I always tell folks, yeah, my my first thing when I do on Saturday uh, uh, morning uh, is turn on a light. This way, I I in essence violate the Torah in the way that a Jew would keep it. I've heard other people say first thing I do is I light a match. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wanted to, you know, kind of go back to that because it got away from us. I didn't want people to be confused to think that, well, Noahides aren't allowed to assemble on, on Saturday. Well, no, that's not what it means. And, and, and also the, uh, idea of, uh, what uh, Noahides are, are, you know, how do we observe things? How do we, how do we do rituals? Uh, uh, the Rambam tells us that we can keep the, the, uh, the entirety of the mitzvot of the Torah, uh, and please correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, you know, once again, Rabbi, but we must follow them precisely. And, of course, that goes back to what I said before. Without men uh, of knowledge and wisdom, such as uh, Rabbi Sandra Goldberg here, we would not be able to know how to follow those precisely. Well, Ray, you know, this is a great place to stop everybody, not because it's not an interesting conversation, but because it is a very interesting topic, and we're having a great time talking with Rabbi Goldberg. But you know what? We are running out of time. And uh, we're going to, Rabbi Goldberg, could you stick around and uh, could could you, uh, could we do part two of this conversation with you? Yes. Okay, great. Right. We're going to have to remind everybody, how do they get in touch with uh, either one of us uh, regarding questions or comments they have about the show? And then we got to go. Okay, well, let me see if I can get through this in a hurry. Uh, for everyone, keep sending in your emails. We're getting a lot of great response to the show and our guests. And please just send them to Noahide, N-O-A-H-I-D-E, Noahide at IsraelNationalRadio.com. And I'm, once again, Ray Patterson with my co-host Jim Long. Thank you. And we, we look forward to seeing you next week. And in the meantime, always look to the heavens. Because, my friends, Hashem is always looking out for you. Shavuot Tov. And you're listening to Noahide Nations on IsraelNationalRadio.com.
cut down on time at the airport. Introducing the ultimate airport experience by Menasha Sofair's airport service. It's the first of its kind. The VIP meet and assist shuttle guarantees a completely stress-free traveling experience to and from Ben Gurion International Airport. Online at msofairairport.com. Tell them you heard about it on Israel National Radio. Menasha Sofair Airport travel speed and service. M S O P H E R airport.com. Praying for 40 days straight at the Western Wall in Jerusalem is a famous Jewish practice. Many have made the pilgrimage to pray for marriage, income, children, or healing. Now you too can have a 40-day prayer. Western Wall prayers will employ a full-time Torah student to pray on your behalf or on behalf of a loved one for 40 days straight at the wall. If you need a special prayer, visit westernwallprayers.org. That's westernwallprayers.org.